Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks, the Heralds have met with the blue dragon Thontorvrak, who has asked them to travel to the elemental plane of water and recover the Olam Harp, one of the legendary instruments of the bards. Bernie made a persuasive proposal. Make a deal with the mages at the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors so all the instruments could be brought together and played in an epic orchestra. Thontorvrak agreed, though not before revealing he might know more about Jonathan and the Watchful Order than any of them realized. The dragon gives them a tuning fork to use in plane shifting to the plane of water, and the group head back to Waterdeep to prepare for the journey. That is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have the last of my Jack and just Jack. It's just Jack Daniels. It's the Jack Daniels with honey, so it's a little sweet. I just have a glass of it because yesterday... I played a game and where my character got drunk. <laughs> that's really, that's really was, it. Was I it just... your character or were you in character? No, my, it was 100% my, <laughs> no, no, it was 100% my character got drunk. I was not expecting it to happen. And then it did. It was the first time she got drunk. And then the whole day I was thinking about, I do have the rest of that Jack Daniels with honey. And that's really good. And that's probably what my character was drinking. And so here we are. Bernie, what are you drinking? I have an entry. I have a, a, a new uh, combatant in the Cider Wars, so I may have actually mm. had this one before. I couldn't remember. I went to the Lickbo yesterday and got a month's worth of beer <laughs> because that's how you should be shopping, folks. This is... Yeah. So two awesome things. A, it's from Collective Arts, so obviously it's so cool. It's a gorgeous can. It is their Circling the Sun Apple and Cherry Cider. So if anybody's keeping track... You can let me know if I've had this before. I can't remember having it. I just went, ooh, cider. Ooh, collective arts. Fast becoming like my favorite brewery uh, in, in Ontario. And the other cool thing is I put a massive order in for frame rate merch. So I have a new koozie. Ooh. But that's just been keeping my cider nice and cool because I'm always going to drink it out of my lovely mug because I love it so much. All right, it's very good. Yes, I think I have had this before. So it's not a new entry. This is this is a, is fast becoming a stalwart soldier in the Cider Wars. An old favorite. I feel like the Cider Wars has also sort of done that Battle of Five Armies thing, where somewhere there's a tiny little harbit being like, "I thought this was just, I thought this was just two ciders. Why are there five ciders in the Cider Wars? <laughs> all, the ciders. all these ciders are coming out of nowhere, just kind of showing up." So if you are in Ontario and if Collective Arts sells over the border in like a lot of these places do, I highly recommend doing your monthly trip to the LCBO and picking yourself up some. Or if you have an opportunity for curbside pickup, just remember that the less you go into stores, the less risk you're putting on yourself and someone else. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And the more time you can spend with uh, the people you love enjoying the fruits of your labors once a month yeah don't waste your don't waste your human interaction on a store it's true though (laughs) i don't understand that it's like like why would you waste your human interaction on like going inside like a walgreens when you could be using like your bubble and the 
human interaction to be around people you like. Yeah. Like all of you, except we're still over the internet. You know? It's your mana. Tap it effectively. Exactly. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Travancore. Wear your what fucking are you mask. And wear a mask. Uh, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice is once again the Franzikaner Weiss beer. I said it in English this time, so everyone understands. Ooh. And I don't know why, but I feel like every time I drink something that's uh, monk adjacent or brewed by monks or monk affiliated, I should call it my quest for holiness. I don't know. I feel like you should play a monk. I was going to say, all these monk soon. beers that you keep uh, drinking. All these monk beers. Well, if anything happens to Kenny Beggins Jr., maybe he multicasts as a one. monk. Maybe <laughs> right. he bu- or maybe he has a spiritual awakening and he's like realizes that the, the don't monastic life is class into monk. Please don't monk- multi-class <laughs> into monk. A bard Absolutely. monk. Listen, a bard monk. Bard monk. Do it. L- listen. Do it. Listen. I'm listening. The ranger druid multi-class bit work. Uh, nothing really multi-classes in the monk well. I've seen it happen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, what? Fighter? Fighter? Okay, first off, first off, everything multi-classes into everything because all that matters is that you've created a character that you find fun and if if multi-classing bard monk helps you have fun and create the character you you want to create, then we'll make it happen. And will it be the most optimal character? No, but will you have fun doing it? Yes. That being said, I have a monk rogue that I was gonna say rogue monk. Rogue will monk. completely mess you up. B-A-R-D-M-O-N-K. <laughs> I'm just saying, just don't. <laughs> I'm just saying do it. And so now, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. And today I have a... Uh, Havoc Mead. It is uh, one of the meads that our good friend Goober the Great got us, uh, got me. It is apparently a psychopomp sour cherry mead. This this sounds like everything. Yeah, this is going to be definitely one where I do get a picture for the grams. Because normally I'm having like Trulies and other of my bullshit cocktails. So there's nothing really photogenic. But uh, they're not photogenic. And Who this cares? is this is the first photogenic thing I've had in a while. So, live tasting, yay! I mean, I agree with Jules that it doesn't have to be photogenic, but I also uh, appreciate the fact that every once in a while you you want to feel pretty. This is uh, oh, so it's got a weird aftertaste, but yeah, it'll do. I've got I already had some Fireball before we started, so I'm already oh. getting there. Uh, so this will kind of keep me going. Where did uh, Goober find that? I don't know. So what happened were. We were playing uh, some board games on Tabletop Simulator, and he said, hey, you got to stop by the house sometime. I've got some mead for you. And I thought this was more of his smirk and beer mead. So I'm like, hey, I have a bottle I need to return to you from my last one. I will go by your house, and we will socially distantly get mead. And when I get there, I find on his porch a four-pack of mead that he had made at his liquor store. Uh, nearby, or he had acquired somehow. So I, I mean, I would much rather, I would much prefer his own mead. But the fact that I got anything from my friend and also returned to his bottle, returned his bottle, uh, that that was enough for me. So I, I, I didn't question. I just accepted. Hey. Uh, but and how about your fireball shot? But I also want to know getting... because because my sister's dog is named Havoc, and she would probably love a can of. <laughs> So it's got a it's got a raven on it or something. So here, here's the 
So this is the the can. It's a it's a Ooh. tall can. But yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, we'll get a picture up for the uh, for the grams. But tonight's shot of Fireball, to be consumed in the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to a public servant. A wonderful public servant. Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York. You see, <laughs> she is... Uh, <laughs> She is well, trying this isn't to... hesitation. This is just trying to distill a very long story down into something that we can easily talk she's about. A trying couple sentences. To dismant- she's trying to dismantle the NRA. She has sued them. She is trying to take them apart, brick by brick, uh, asshole by asshole. Uh, they are a corrupt organization. They have been enabling corrupt policies, and they are not serving the purpose that they purport to serve. They are only serving themselves and grifts. And jerks. So, uh, Letitia James, this fireball shot is for you. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, Keep at it, please. And last but certainly not least, and with the most purplest of hair, Carlton, what are you drinking? I put a refresh on this morning. Ooh, no wonder it's so purple. I was like, is it me? Is he got Yeah, you know, you can do amazing things with box bleach and box dye, and then getting stuff like overtone to kind of a depositing shampoo and conditioner. Oh, chance mm. They're like, all right, cool. It's starting to fade out. Put the depositing conditioner in. Now it's nice and vibrant again. I, I have to say, and I'm going to I'm gonna let you finish in a moment. Luke and I have discussed the idea of doing fun things with my hair, especially now that I'm not going to have gigs for the rest of my life. Uh, so I don't have to worry about having natural hair anymore for gigs. I can do fun Twitch streamer shit. That's kind of where we were at was like, well, if I fuck it up, who's going to see it? My wife, she has to love me. She has no other choice. (laughs) In sickness, health, and bad hair. Yep. This is where I'm really sad we don't live close together. Because one of my favorite things is, like, dyeing other people's hair. It's just a blast when you're all crowded into someone's bathroom. And you're like, how many people should be in here? Not this many. It's so much fun. To tell you the truth, the only reason I haven't done it myself is because, uh, for those of you who have seen me, I have fairly dark brown hair. And so in order to do any fun colors, I would need to bleach. And I've been a wimp and haven't wanted to bleach my own hair. That being said, let us go back to Bright Purple Boy. What are you drinking? Uh, I've got the last of my lemonade uh, quartet. Uh, and this time we're going OG lemonade. I already drank half of it because I was eating dinner while we were getting ready. So it's delicious. It's straight up lemonade. And it was like 100 degrees in Texas today. So it is super refreshing today. You know where it's not 100 degrees and hot and full of lemonade? Waterdeep. Waterdeep. You know where you all are? Water in the deep. watchful order of Majus and Protectors, where you have all majestically ridden in on your horses into <sighs> the teleportation <sighs> area of the Amethyst Acropolis. You... Didn't one of our horses take one of them, shit? One of them dropped, dropped the flopper. Yeah. One of dropped them dropped a, a steaming pile of shit. Let's let's not mince words. If you listen to the last episode, you know whose horse it was. I won't give it away this time because I I, I like to preserve some mystery. Anyway, you've all arrived. I'm pretty Arastic. sure it was Jack's horse. Yeah, it was it was my horse. So before <laughs> Travancore will horse. motion to the others and start cleaning up poop. Aras is too busy being startled. His feathers ruffled. Looking at all of you. Uh, Jonathan, who we literally just saw the day before, and he will say, you're going to explain this, right? Jonathan the Magic Muscular dismounts his horse, uh, goes up to Master Zick, and, like, gets real close and says, and whispers, we gotta talk now. 
Well, we are. There's several horses, a pony, a... We gotta go. Hey, Carlton, uh, Travancore, could you work with the folks here to get the horses uh, outside and into, you know, this out of here? My horse shit. No, no, no. I'm just saying, they're not gonna stay in here. I need you guys to get the horses out. Bernie and I need to talk to Aras. Yeah. Travancore looks up at the nearest person and says, you got people for this? Great. And then he walks his horse on out. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll walk the horses out. So you all know there's no easy way to walk the horses out. The only way to get into the inner parts of the Amethyst Acropolis is by interior teleportation circle. Mm-hmm. Basically, you teleport in, you teleport out. There's only the one way. So you all kind of dismount. Jonathan says this to Iraq. You, you're all looking at what to do next. And Aras will take a deep breath and look at all you and say, is this something we all need to talk about immediately, or can it wait a few minutes, and then we can talk in private? I'm assuming if you have come into my teleportation area and caused, and he will motion with a clawed hand towards the steaming pile of shit that Travancore is trying to clean up, you will motion to that and say, that, that this must be of some import? It is. And it's very important that that the next that the information that I give you remain between you, myself, and Bernie. He glances at all of you, and then he looks over at one of the guards that are perpetually in this room and motions over to them, and they exchange a a quick few words that are very obviously instructions on leading the horses out of the vicinity. And uh, if you allow this guard, uh, he's an elven man in some basic leathers. He's one of the guards that tends to be in this room, you know, keeping an eye out for unwanted people. Fortunately, you're all wanted and loved. He will take possession of all of the horses, lead them over to the teleportation circle that Jonathan, you recognize as the one that will lead downstairs. But it looks like they're going to try to teleport the horses one at a time for reasons that should be obvious because of doors. This is not a facility that usually houses animals of this size. And he'll lead the horses on over, take one by the reins, and the horse and the the nice elven guard is gone. And Aras, meanwhile, will look at the four of you and say, follow me. My office is as secure as you can get in most of Waterdeep, and he'll lead you out. Jo- right before we leave, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to back up to the pile of shit, and he is going to use, like, surreptitiously use his foot to cast uh, Prestidigitation on it. Okay, so I need to know before you do that, because Travancore was intently trying to clean up the pile of crap. How were you cleaning up the pile of crap, Travancore? Uh, well, let's see what Travancore has as far as his gear goes. I'm sure he has a shovel for for digging things or whatever. And as far as bags go, uh, this is something that ties into when I have to clean up after my dog. Like, every now and again, if I run out of poop bags or something, I'll be able to get two uses out of a poop bag. But when poop number three comes, if there are leaves nearby, sometimes I will grab as large a leaf as I can, get it around the poop, put it on top of the poop bag, get another leaf, wrap it around there, and hold it in my hand and pray to God that nothing ends up on my fingers. I so, pray to God that there's not a poop that big. How big are these poops? 
That's what I'm concerned about. It's not the size of the poops, it's the quantity of poops. Because sometimes in Milwaukee he won't poop at all. Sometimes if it's raining, or in the case of today, thunderstorming, he will not even try and venture to go outside, despite my best objections and Oh yeah, and that's every jackets. dog. Right. Well, and you quickly find out with horses, it's not the size, it's the quantity. Right. It's also true. Yeah. Well, horses at least, it's mostly just grass in a different version. Mm. Are you telling me that Travancore has produced a large leaf? Um, that is a good question. I mean, because he, I would think that Travancore has a way to dispose of poop because Shadow, right? Like, it doesn't always fall to the wayside. Sometimes in a place where he'll have to clean the Shadow. Shadow's a good bear in terms of control and everything like that. I would say he doesn't poop out inside unless he absolutely has to. But animals are animals. Accidents happen. So I have to assume that Travancore has something as far as a simple, like, sack for emergencies in this case. Let me, let me ask real quick. Since yeah. you are a druid as well, do you have druid craft? I don't know if that's an active spell. I'm pretty sure it's in the thing. I don't know if I have it prepared or not, but it would make sense that you would because it's these spells. It's a cantrip, right? I have Frostbrite and Primal Savagery as my cantrips. Okay. <laughs> you Primal Savagery? That's such an interesting cantrip for Travancore to take. Okay. He's got a dark side. That That is, that is interesting. Okay. I'm going to say then... As a druid, you reach into a couple of bags because, yeah, Shadow is very good, but Shadow is also a black bear. And every once in a while, you do have to clean up after Shadow. And so I'm going to say you do have a couple of leaves that would be Shadow appropriately poop-sized. And so you are in the process of of doing what you can with horse poop, which is not the same consistency and right. causing other issues that we won't go into because this is, you know, a podcast. When Jonathan walks up and uh, what what would you like to do, Jonathan? If if things are still, whatever is left on the ground, Jonathan the Muscular is going to use his foot to cast uh, precipitation real quick. Okay. You are able to do that. And uh, the smell and the poop is gone. And I will even say if if Travancore is still holding the leaf there, uh you can boop his his leaf and your your leaf is now uh clean of poop, Travancore. Oh nice, I can use this for next time. <laughs> Thanks, that's, buddy. That's that's what you're getting out of this? Cool. Alright. <laughs> let's go. Are we still in the Telbond? No, probably not. I probably yeah. haven't recast it. Cut me some slack. I wasn't planning to clean horse poop today. Well Bernie Bernie looks at, at Jonathan and she's like <laughs> And that's oh for for those of you listening to our podcast which is most people as we usually don't put this out as a visual what you just do all people. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like even Perconum is at least 100 years away from Guglielmo Arc Marconi <laughs> So what did you do <laughs> Uh Julia Julia did uh the early 90s 90s universal sign for call me please which is make a phone with her hand and very very obviously raise her eyebrows and shake the hand and be like bernie looks yeah. over jonathan and very clearly says um hey uh this information is crazy but we have to tell Ras about a blue dragon so rary's telepathic bond me maybe exactly <laughs> that is exactly what she does are you gonna spend the 10 minutes to cast I don't this think that we have 10 minutes because we're like we've made we've made a quite the entrance like you have and we're being shuffled into an office very quickly so i i don't think we'll i don't think we'll have 10 minutes but we'll 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 be okay we'll be okay yeah aras 
ushers you all into his side office, which is small but clean. It is one of the interior offices, so it doesn't even have a... Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. It does have a window out because you've come to his office before and it and looked out upon uh, the destruction of Waterdeep. Uh, so you come walking on in. He closes the door. You know if he says this place is secure and warded, you are pretty sure that you can trust him. He motions for the space in the room, which doesn't include enough chairs for everybody, but he does stand behind his desk and kind of, to help make everybody a little more comfortable, he does not sit down. And he asks, Well, would you like to explain the sudden entrance with the equines? Okay. So, we, Jonathan the Magimuscular, and all of us have just had our conversation with the blue dragon Thontor Vrak. Did you have to flee? We no! had to get here quick. So Jonathan the Magimuscular is He was already going... gone, so we didn't flee. We right. didn't run away. But I mean, it's a dragon. If you had needed to flee, there would There's be no, no shame in no, that. No, absolutely not. No. Uh, he, like Carlton said, he had already left. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to relay the particulars of the conversation, highlighting the plans that Bernie laid out, and throwing it to her like whenever she like he's whenever he's like well bernie said and instead of saying what bernie said when bernie's right there bernie will say what she what what she proposed and after after we get done to get to the part where thontor of rack left he's gonna say the thing that required the getting here quickly was that after bernie made her proposal thontor of rack cast sending and after that he knew that i was a level two acolyte here and so that makes makes you suspicious on me balana zidok on balana and Bernie's like, Bernie's making chittery noises. So Jonathan the Muscular at that point just turns to Bernie. Someone, it is interesting that knowing that we know him, somebody who also knew him, wouldn't just talk to us about it. I think the concern on Jonathan's part, he is feeling... Well, it's like you don't go telling details of someone's personal life to their employer, right? That is a complicated question, considering the nature of the relationship between Jonathan and the rest of the Amethyst Acropolis. However, I do understand the context. This is concerning. It does not implicate Balana 100%. Certainly... There are more than just her, I, and Razo who knew of your promotion. The entire senior leadership had to sign off on it, and probably many other people had heard. It was not a secret. It was something we hadn't announced in order to try to make sure that you found out in an appropriate manner. It would have been unpleasant and awkward for you to come on in and to find out from somebody other than an official, other than at least Rezo. So it was, but it was certainly not kept under lock and key. It is not one of our more secret secrets that we kept. So there are many people who know this. 
especially now that you have been officially notified. Uh, word has gone out of, of any promotion so that you are given the station that you deserve. It would be awkward if you showed up for some of the more private abilities that level two watchful order members can have and for those that are in charge of that to deny you because they are unfamiliar however are there any other reasons why you might might suspect balana the it's the instruments the fact that both of them have a shared interest in these instruments what that is concerning however right i, I would mean, also like the, like the whole notion was that that Bernie brilliantly came up with was that these two had a shared interest, and before we we were thinking that we might use that to to unite them to to where uh, this isn't a zero sum game. Everyone wins. Thantorvrak gets to see his his instrument performed by a high level performer, and Bellana gets to have have symphonies with all of these instruments but i'm concerned that they had a prior relationship that she didn't tell me about when i brought up thorntorvrak now this is why i came to you master sick uh, it's bernie bernie <laughs> what's up i honestly believe that it would be a waste of their time and energy to ping-pong us back and forth if they already knew one another and were in contact. I don't know. Like, but it's the it's the only thread we have. And this is why, this this is, Bernie, this is exactly why I wanted to become to Master Zick first. So this insane notion that I have might, might be addressed by someone who would know better. This is, I, I told you before, Master Zick, that you, you are my mentor here and I don't want to completely go off half-cocked i i do listen i'm really sorry about the horse thing but i i oh these these guys saw me i was in a mood right after oh god aras will look over at carlton and travancore who've been quiet this whole time at now that jonathan has indicated them and do you have the same suspicions as slightly more neutral observers of all of this i mean it could like you said, lots of people knew. I was more concerned about being a pirate. <laughs> so I wasn't really in on this whole Balana Zadok, Dantorvac conspiracy. Do you have anybody at the Acropolis who is an expert on draconic lore and dragons? Maybe they might be friends with him? When you say they might be friends with him, you see... Aras's brow furrow a little bit, as though that idea seems odd. But before he says anything, he looks over at Travancore and, and he says, and, and you? If operational security isn't a concern for you, then operational security isn't a concern for me. I share Jonathan's suspicions, but what matters is if you share them. I respect his suspicions and all of yours. It would be ridiculous for me not to. You've all proven yourselves to be astute and observant and incredibly powerful fate changers. And so if you have concerns, I have concerns. Let me put it this way. If one of either an antagonist or someone we run afoul of in my kingdom had information about the internal operations of my kingdom, I would want to know. 
who could have revealed it to it? I would think that. And granted, there's always need for a contact that may be savory or unsavory. It's entirely possible that someone on the Watchful Order is working with Dontrevec for some other cause, for some other cause, or has a line of dialogue open to him for for whatever reason. Organizations like yours have any number of reasons to have those kind of links. But at the very least, you should be aware of it, and that's why I brought attention to you. What you do with it is up to you. Jonathan is a member of this order. I am not. But we thought we'd do our due diligence and give you the information, and you're the one who decides what to do with it. I appreciate that. Whether this proves to be a suspicious path that leads to nefarious means or nothing more than crossed wires and uninformed people being informed by things that is not that important. Once again, if the worst of our secrets that have leaked is that Jonathan has been promoted, then I will consider our operational security to be incredibly tight. However, the fact that a potential antagonistic dragon has a contact in our order is concerning. I would like to think that it is my job to know about all of the contacts that we have outside of here. And you are correct. Some of them are the are not the paragons of good that you all try to be. We keep in contact with many creatures and beings of a variety of outlooks on life. Nothing on the, the lich scale, but certainly anything as powerful as a dragon would be closely monitored. Even ones that have proven to be useful, helpful, and friendly. And this one that you have mentioned several times, Thontorvrak, is suspicious at best, especially with their lineage of working with cultists and others in the past. Trev and Corey bristles internally at the sound, the hearing lineage of people working with cultists. <laughs> Not cultures necessarily, a little higher up than that, but still, Ooh. there's a piece of that that resonates a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I do not want to diminish the threat that is Santorvac. He is, as Travancore, our expert, has put, apparently not of the type of dragon that is constitutionally nice. But I think he is two things. I think he is someone who enjoys messing with people. He plans everything about his entries and exits to make sure that he has the upper hand. And, I mean, come on, like, he told us to meet him somewhere and he waited there invisible for us. Like, I, he's done that every time we've met up with him. He likes the element of surprise. He likes making us feel off kilter. I'm not denying that he definitely in some way found out this information and that perhaps you do have someone who tells him a little more than they should. I would be very surprised and I will owe a lot of people dinner if it's Balana Zedok. Because it makes no sense. Because if they were both working together, they already are working together. That's what we've come back here to propose. Yeah. That I mean, like, we literally... We have come here to say, hey, we think you should both become patrons of the arts, build an amphitheater, and start your symphony together with the understanding that you each keep your res respective instruments at the end of the day. What on earth is the point of us asking her 
of like what would be the point of them individually seeking out to collect all of these if they were seeking out to collect them together i think that parting shot was a parting shot i think i think he didn't expect us to come with anything he'd want i think he definitely sort of expected us to come for a fight and he didn't get a fight and he got a surprise and he wanted to keep you off kilder jonathan it's possible the thing is he told he told us that he has a contact here. Yeah. You, you have a good point that unless Belana Zedok is just all about needless running around and, and just fucking with people to the, you know, for the for the purpose of fucking with people, which is not the impression I've gotten, then it probably isn't her. But there is someone that, th- that gives Thontor Vrak information. Yes. That's what I'm concerned about. I think your concerns are founded because yeah. because our relationship with Thontorvac isn't very isn't an informative relationship. Information doesn't flow very well either way, to be honest. He gives us very little to go on when he's asking us to go find these instruments in an entire different plane, might I add, just made of water on an island that's like what? What's that island called? Like literal hell? Isle of Dread. Isle of Dread. Oh yeah, I got oh, no, like yes. so excited. He's so excited. Yeah. Jonathan the Metromuscular holds up the uh planar uh the elemental plane of water key. He did not mention anything about whether there were mermaids that were going to try to eat us. This creature seems like the kind that would only tell you what he thinks you need to know, maybe answer some questions and no more. And it's I would trust all of your instincts on reading this dragon, although they are, especially the smarter ones, notorious, notoriously hard to read. That being said, I think these are all valid concerns. I would take under advisement what you think should happen next, because it sounds like from the story that you gave of this conversation, what Thontorvrak expects is for you to inform, in this case, Balana Zadok of what is going on. Whether he knows it or not, whether he knows her or not, she is the one that is collecting these instruments. She has been the vanguard of that for a very long time. It has been a personal project of hers for a while. So either he knows something or he doesn't, but either way, she would be the one that you would need to talk to in order to broker this peace arrangement. And I am nervous about inviting any powerful dragon, especially one with questionable insults, anywhere close to Waterdeep. However, if we think we could have control over the situation and it would prevent a future antagonistic maneuver, I agree it is a good plan. But that would be what you would do next if these were not concerns. What are your plans? Well, we're going to do some research, do some prep, and then... Pirate Carlton. And then Pirate Carlton. We're going to... We're going to take Carlton on a shopping spree. We're going to become pirates. Yar. Yo, ho, ho. He he smile. He has a shit-eating grin and just nodding ecstatically. You know, Carlton, if we do end up getting or finding our own ship in all of this. It'd be honored to serve on your crew. Thanks, first mate. (laughs) 
Are you planning on transporting yourselves with a ship? We don't know. Like, and, like this breaks Jonathan out of his like little pirate reverie. He's like, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. Jonathan, roll an Arcana check, and Travancore, finish your thought as he does that. Well, Travancore is going to say two things. One, to uh, to Aras, as far as dealings with Dontrovac, you can trust him to act in his best interest. He may go along with the idea at first, but sooner or later he'll make a play for the other instruments. I think everyone knows that, and I think even he would expect that. So as long as you have countermeasures in place, um, and think, think those through, you've got some big brains here. Plenty of intelligent pe- wizards like Jonathan. You'll, I'm sure you'll be able to figure out a way around around all of that, and the greater good is served. As far as the ships go, I happen to know a captain that might be able to use her ship. Well, if you know of a way to get yourselves to the plane of water with a ship, then that would be useful. You might want to speak to this captain anyway, as certainly... I don't know very much about the plane of water, but I do know that there are storms and areas that are rife with portals to that plane, and, and transporting yourself there is a dangerous proposition, and especially dangerous for ships. So while I am not sure if there's anyone here who can give you very specific information, an actual ship captain, whether you can use their ship or not, might be able to help. And it's about this time, Jonathan, what did you roll in your arcana check? 26. Okay. I believe... Let me look up something real quick. Plane shift is you and up to eight willing creatures. So no, no, no ships. Not plane shift, no. Okay. There might be some way that you do not currently know of to transport an entire ship. But the the spell that you know and the tuning fork that you now have to get you to the elemental plane of water will transport creatures and, and the stuff you're carrying, but right. not an object. Jump, not heavy equipment. Jo- Yo, Jonathan, do you, do you say that? Yeah. What if, because you're smart, this is attuned to the elemental plane, right? Right. Can you reverse engine, ver- reverse magic it? So that it acts like a tuning fork to kind of guide us like a compass to one of the naturally occurring planes that are rife with the elemental power. I don't know. I can look I can look into it. With that Arcana check, I will say not quite. Because you've got a tuning fork to the plane of water, you can just go there. You can try to specify a specific location in the plane of water. Now, you've not been there before. So, like, teleporting to a place you've never been, that's going to come with some risks. And you know a location you're supposed to go to, so you can try. You can try to direct yourself, but there's no guarantees. Jonathan the Magimuscular has a mechanical question about the plane of water that Thontorfrak did not answer for me. Okay. Do you want to ask Arask, yeah, or are you asking, asking Lauren the DM? No, okay. no, he's asked. He's asking uh, a rest. Uh, sure. So, is the entire plane a three-dimensional volume of water everywhere, or is it a vast ocean? It is a vast ocean, as far as I know. There have been changes to the plane over the years. Certainly, the the Sundering and the Spell Plague have changed many of the, even the the closely associated planes. But my understanding is currently it is a vast, depthless ocean 
with a few dotted islands here and there. I did not know the name of the island, but I would assume that this Isle of Dread that Thontorvrak mentions is one of the bigger ones, or one of the ones. Okay, I just didn't know whether the term island was, like, fanciful. Like, this is three-dimensional water space, and a island is a, like, bubble with rocks in it or something. I cannot speak to specifics, but my very basic understanding is that is... 90% water and 10% possible land, but that an island would be considered an island in the same way we would call an island an island. Great. It will be rare, but it will be there. That makes, that simplifies things immensely. I was preparing for three-dimensional liquid fluid space, which is a ridiculous notion that, (laughs) you know, if, if someone comes up with that at the end of a play you know, around season three or four of said play, <laughs> that they're just, they just don't know what they're doing anymore. Uh, while you say all of this and you and, and Travancore enjoy a little bit of a laugh, Aras looks very serious and says, well, my understanding is before the Sundering, that is exactly what the plane of water was. It was simply an endless, depthless, topless ocean filled with, astounding creatures and horrific monsters but no land at all it has only been recently that that plane has gained any dry land whatsoever but once again all of my interest has been academic is there a pool in water deep maybe an indoor pool magically heated none that i know of it would have to be an indoor pool considering the current climate i think we've established that bernie can't swim right (laughs) you you are not an adept swimmer the problem is not that you can't swim you can doggy paddle there's nobody here who has has said that they've not able to swim at all the problem is you are in heavy armor and it is and your strength is not quite enough to compensate for the heavy armor when you are in water and so you just sink but you like a stone yeah, like, like a French like, bulldog, like a lot of water, like a, a like you're wearing a lot of armor. I think Jonathan is probably the most proficient swimmer here because of his background and because of his history. And Carlton and Travancore are probably okay. And Bernie, without the armor, you can probably tread water and float and do some basic strokes. Like you're not unable to to navigate. The problem is, clang, clang, clang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it is a pool. I, 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 pool, I need a, I gotta practice. Well, do you think that the instrument is actually in the water if Thontorvrak is directing you to go to the island? Oh, no. Aras! Sir! Yes. I gotta ask you a question. If you were going to a place that was all water, would you want to make sure that you could could swim because like it's like if you were going to a place that was mostly snow in one hot spring i don't think you'd bring your swim trunks this is true however depending on how much time i had i would simply prepare what i could and in this case and he glances over jonathan and says do you know how to cast the spell so that you can all breathe underwater barney looks over jonathan the magimuscular cannot but jonathan the magimuscular that that was 
on the list today uh, of things to do. Uh, thankfully, it's not. It's a spell that Jonathan the Magic Muscular can just add to his book and then cast as needed, uh, not having to expend much resources doing it, which is good. Jonathan the Magic Muscular was also going to be looking for methods of propulsion through the water, potentially over a great distance, because if Jonathan the Magic Muscular fucks up the the trip over there, then we might have to swim. I'd prefer we not. Aras looks over at Carlton and says, is this where your pirate plan comes into play? Pirate Carlton sailing the endless sea. <laughs> Getting lots of booty the for you time, and like, me. Carlton's got his notebook there. And like, it's like, it looked, you think Carlton was like taking notes on this conversation. But like, if you were to peer over, you just see he's like sketching the flag of our Jolly Roger. <laughs> I thought the Jolly Roger was actually the name of the type of flag. I thought it was the skull and crossbone style flag. Yeah, I think you're both right. Flag. I right, think that's the type of... our version of that. Oh, I thought so you the were saying the flag of our Jolly Roger, like you'd already named the ship, like you didn't consult the rest of us on the name of this ship, which would have no, been No, I'm problem. designing, I'm like sketching a flag of like, that we would fly. Like, it's still like, it's still really rough. Like, I'm not ready to like show my work, but if you were to peek over, you're like, that Carlton's definitely drawing a flag and not paying attention to this conversation at all. Carlton, I need to know, what flag are you drawing? What does this Heralds of Greenest flag look like? He may have used some Bernie's colored inks. It's a yellow flag. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then where the skull would be is a wolf head with blue eyes. Of course. And then the, the two crossbones, one of them is a bow, and the other is a wand that has a little blue flame at the tip. Okay. Very interested to see where I come into all of this. The yellow lemon-colored flag! Uh, the field. supports us all! Oh. Okay. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on August 30th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. B-O-S-K-H-O-C-K-O-W-E-R so use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Well, the other thing we could do as a backup, we could travel by Plesiosaur for up to seven hours if I use every spell slot for that. Every, every spell, spell slot? <laughs> yeah, basically, like, or every, all of my ability. All of my spell. <laughs> I would actually be very interested in traveling by Pleasy's sword. Do you think we could get an eye patch big enough to fit it, though? I'm gonna call it Lapras. How many Pleasy swords can you summon again? Well, I can summon one, but I can just keep resumming it up to an hour, so... Okay. <laughs> one Pleasy sword. It would, it would be awkward, especially with the animal, especially with Coco Snoot and Shadow, for all of you to fit on the Pleasy sword. Coco Snoot will be staying here. Wait, really? Bernie does not want to risk Coco Snoot in the water. Oh, okay. It's probably sensible. Makes sense. I mean, limited utility. 
Are you going to leave him with Gestalt? Bernie's going to board him with Gestalt. Okay, that's good. She's just, there's not, it, it, the dog, dog, yes, some dogs can swim, some dogs can't. And Bernie is very concerned about the fact that she doesn't think he'll add that much to her speed. And, um, she's watched him die once. I could also summon four giant seahorses, but then that would leave Shadow out. <laughs> Let's keep talking about four giant seahorses. I like this. Yeah, How, yeah, 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 when, yeah. when you say giant, what is their actual size? I'm looking it up right now on D and D Beyond. Okay, but please be large. Please be large. Please be large. This is that time where you say, as the DM, large beast. This is so cool. Listen, as the DM, this is so cool. Okay, if they are large, then yes, four giant seahorses. It would still be a little awkward because of shadow, right? Um, because technically, technically, what I should say is you need five, one for each of you, one for. Uh, shadow however i will say if you don't mind the uh the seahorses being slightly slower and if bernie is not going to bring coco snoot then you could manage with four giant seahorses how large is the plesiosaur Let's see one i remember it's also considered large but i wasn't able to look it up we also have that raven feather the rock the, the rock yeah i do not think you can summon it Yet it's going to depend on how long you wait See, before you can. Uh, please, that's also a large beast. Okay, so yes, four seahorses, four large seahorses would work way better than I one mean, large plesiosaur. The other thing we could do is just if what's the max that Jonathan can teleport? Could he teleport like a small dinghy or something? Or he like cannot, a canoe? No, just he, us. It's, it's just people. people. Yeah, it's just what people. What about putting an inflatable raft? Or just put a canoe in the bag of holding? Yeah. And Your then the will come with you. Can tow the canoe, and it'll be majestic. That actually would be a good plan B. Jonathan the Magimuscular, more like a plan C, is like okay. Thank you. One thing that you could try and look for out out in Waterdeep, maybe, and Aras, if you've got any leads, then I believe there is a magic item called a collapsible canoe. There's there there are magic items that can make a boat very small. Or can summon a boat. Is it a collapsible canoe, or is it a? It's a folding. It's just a folding boat, right? Is it? I, I can never. Um, folding boat canoe is, the 5A is at least. so much better folding than folding boat. boat. Let me. I thought you were saying collapsible yeah, canoe it's a folding did not metagame. Yeah. I okay. just want to say that, like, I right. know that there are people, and we that wrote whatever this is, and I just think collapsible canoe alliteration was a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Some days you're writing, you're writing text. Fight her, Jeremy Crawford. Fight and you're her. You're tired. <laughs> And it's okay, and you don't have to fight me, Jeremy and Crawford, because I don't want to hurt you. If it also, makes you feel I any better, and as awesome as the idea of putting a canoe in the bag of holding would be, it would might be a little hard to find a canoe that's big enough for all four of you and Shadow and potentially right. Coco Snoot. The folding boat, the reason it's called a folding boat is because it's an actual boat that is 10 feet long, 4 feet wide, and 2 feet deep can hold up to four medium creatures comfortably. And so I would argue four medium creatures plus a shadow uncomfortably. So while collapsible canoe is very alliteratively nice, the folding boat is actually a better option, whether you can find one or not. Yeah. We'll see. This this is the Julia. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Julia. The indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest and many other indigenous peoples, but this is the example that immediately came to mind. I would encourage you to quickly Google what their canoes look like. They hold a lot of people. 
our ideas of canoes are ideas of canoes where it's like white people camping. We are not thinking about canoes from the point of view of the people who invented the canoe, who took these on massive deep sea voyages. We're thinking about modern canoes. Look up some of like the First Nations traditional hand-carved dugout canoes and look how many people are hanging out in those canoes, right? Like it's they're they're huge and they're beautiful. They're big, they're they're way better than whatever you've been camping in. They're amazing and they're cool. I 100% agree. As someone from the Pacific Northwest, the reality is yes. However, we live we are playing in a world that is not based on reality um, for a bunch of different reasons. And in this case, that will not fit in your bag of holding. <laughs> but it's collapsible. It's a collapsible canoe. Okay, here's what I'll say. What you have is a folding boat and then you have a canoe. What I will say is that if you can find a way to find a folding boat, I will let you call it a collapsible canoe and it will just be a giant canoe that you can collapse into the paper thing, the blah, blah, blah. That's all I'm arguing for. That's, you know what? I think that's very fair. That is super fair. Yeah, I mean, come on. Folding boat. Folding boat is fine. Collapsible canoe. Collapsible Listen, canoe. I just, it's I just don't want to have to homebrew something else for you. Okay? Yeah, no, no. The, the entire homebrew is just just slap a label on that picture. It's, it's great. And it's, it's not even sh- a straight label that covers it all the way. It's like slightly crooked. So like folding boat <laughs> barely peeks out from you underneath. You can still see like folding boat is like raised and embossed. And so uh, the sticker just you can still see the raised like letters of folding boats. Hey, can I copy our magic item? Yeah, just change it a little bit so we don't get in trouble. Yeah. It's like when people take the badge off of their car and put, like, a tinfoil Mercedes. Little, yeah. Little, little ID. Like, it's it's that. That's what we're doing. Except ours is clearly better because it's called Collapsible Canoe. And it's cool. And now I'm going to spend the rest of the night looking at, like, Pacific Northwest traditional indigenous art because it's. It is amazing, especially if you can find any Haida art. It is absolutely gorgeous. Okay, moving on real quick so we don't get totally lost. Travancore, was something you were going to say? And then are you saying at least enough of this out loud that Aras could offer a suggestion? Well, I think Travancore was going to say it's a shame we can't just shrink Captain Ty Turner's ship. Just put a tiny ship, just shrink it, make it small, put it in the bag, you get out, make it big. Aras will look at you and say... There is magic that can do that. However, I don't know if you require magic that's quite that powerful. Also, all of the people would need to evacuate the boat before you put it in the bag of holding. However, you are not far off. That being said, if you do know, and he'll look back at Carlton, because Carlton had also mentioned this. If you do know a renowned captain in town, they often are ones who have the kind of collapsible conveyance that you are talking about. They will often at least have one, especially the the long the long sea voyages and the captains who have been seasoned. They often have something like that in case they do need to evacuate their ship incredibly quickly. It is a much better means of, of having a escape vessel than trying to have the tiny little boats on the side. I don't know what you call those. Dinghies? Is that a dinghy? Life I fly everywhere. I do not need to row in a boat. You might if you were in this plane. Yes. 
This is true. And if I was going to that plane, I would be doing what you are doing right now, which is a very intensive study and discussion about the correct ways of doing this. I, however, am not. I need to reconcile the fact that I need to somehow tell Bolana Zadok what is going on without informing her of some way, informing her in some way that she might be under suspicion of talking with a blue dragon when she hasn't informed the rest of us, which is very awkward. Oh, I have that idea. You just need to feed her, feed the, your three top subjects three different pieces of information. Yes. And we'll tell you which one gets back to him. Something juicy. Something about us. Are you a good liar? No, but I am very hard to read. And his ego face turns to you. And for the first time in a very long time, because you've all known Aras for a while, you've helped him, he has helped you. And so you've, you've grown used to his mannerisms and he is very open with you. But for the first time in a while, he gives you the very flat eagle Aarakocra stare and where you realize when he is face on with you, it is incredibly difficult to not only read his expression, but even see into both of his eyes at the same time. Carlton's kind of like bobbing his head trying to like get a better. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I didn't realize that. Ar- I think I fi- always figure that Ar- it makes sense that Erastic is eagle based. But like now I all can imagine him as saying, and as always, kill Hitler. Some of you will get that. <laughs> Some of you won't. I'm just glad that you didn't go Sam the Eagle, because I will say that his voice is semi-based on Sam the Eagle. I was thinking Sam the Eagle. Personality is nothing like Sam the Eagle, but definitely he's he's got that low voice. And where Now I gotta go back and watch Danger 5. The, the, it's the American thing to do. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> he looks at you, Bernie, and... Uh, while he says that he's not good at lying, he then gives you the flat eagle stare and you realize he doesn't, he might not have to lie. He just has to not be readable. And that's actually pretty easy for him to do for non Aarakocra. Now I want you to tell me a lie. Are we practicing? Yeah, we're going to practice because like, let's practice. Okay. <laughs> Bernie wants to practice because... Because being not readable is great when you're playing poker, but I, I know people who are bad liars who it's like, oh, you're not readable, and then they try to tell you a lie, and you go, oh, I'm well, just, that's- I'm just rolling a deception check to see real fast how well he actually lies. He looks at you straight on and says, I do not enjoy your company at all. That's sweet. <laughs> and it's, it's flat. It's not... There's no. I look at him and I'm like, there's no anger. I thought we were friends. There's no anger behind it. There's no intent behind it. It is just, it feels like a statement of fact. Uh, you can go ahead and roll an insight to see if you can, you kind of realize he's lying to your face just because of what he said and what you asked him to do. What'd you roll? Oh dear. Bernie rolled an eight. I got more on my plus than I got on the dice. Bernie, for, for, a, for a moment... And once again, you've asked him to lie and he's looked dead on at you and said something that you are positive is a lie. And yet for a moment, you doubt that he actually likes you. Did, does anyone have a passive insight over a 16? Uh, oh, no. No. Bernie actually <laughs> might. I have a 15 on my passive what, insight. Yeah, I thought he'd beat your passive too. Let's see, Carlton, insight, 12. Nope. Anyone got passive insight over uh, 16 or over, I'll say? No. Perception I'm better at. Okay. Yeah, Travancore's feelings are hurt. I think all of you understand in this moment intellectually, and so you don't actually believe him. 
there's just, he's just so good at being flat in that moment that there's the briefest, <gasps> maybe. <laughs> and then as soon as he sees all of your faces change just a little bit, just have that moment of doubt, he turns his head again so that you are now, because you've noticed with Aras, he he's constantly like looking at you. It would be technically side eye, but because you get the full on view of one side of his face, he has a little bit more expression. And doing that, he then kind of grins at you as his beak opens up and he gives you that arched eyebrow grin and says, I am not a good liar, but I am good at not giving anything away. How about that? Oh, God, that's his tell. Oh, that's so good. Well, now now you know. And so now we know each other's secrets. Admittedly, the times that I need to flat out lie or hide information from people is very rare. So usually this is not something I need to be concerned about. However, in this case, I think discretion is the the key word. Mm. So you are to go and talk to this captain of yours and find out more information than go to the elemental plane of water. That seems to be the plan. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular needs to go to the library and, um, well, actually... Hang on. And now, well, actually yourself? Oh. I'm going to well, actually myself, because Damn. I don't know if I have the cash to go, oh, no, I don't. To learn water breathing? Water breathing. Water breathing. Water breathing. Do I have cash? Well, that is up to you. Bernie hasn't kept track of her money very well, because she's never had to keep track of money. It's been a very long time. At least it's only a third level spell, so that's good. Yeah. Travancore is probably down to like 100 GP, so... Because he just bought that uh, that amulet. Because he, he had to buy his. Yeah. Remind me again, druids can change their spells out at the beginning of the day? Yes. Travancore, do you, do you have... Are you a high enough level in druid to have third level druid spells? Uh, let me check my card. I, I don't I'm only think so. a level two druid. Is that... Yeah, that's fifth level for for him. I couldn't remember because it's it's a mixture kind of thing with him. Okay, then never mind. Because it is a druid spell and a ranger spell, but I know rangers can't switch out their spells, but druids can. So, How much money do we have left over from everyone fighting? How much do you need, Jonathan? Let me see. That's that's actually what Jonathan the player is looking up. Because I think it's 300 gold, but I'm... Double check. It's a third that. level transmutation spell. So right. you know you can get it here at the the silent library. That is that's not the problem. Uh oh, okay. It is evocation spells are, are cheaper, but it's only fifty GP a level, so it'd be hundred and fifty bucks. Hundred and fifty bucks in what, like three hours? Uh six hours. Six hours. And how much do you, and how much do you have on you, Jonathan Jonathan? Thirty. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, Daddy Carlton. <laughs> Fucking Uncle Pennybags over here. Uh, I go in my bag holding 120 gold. And I like, I grab it and I put it in a way that it just like stacks up. Roll a dexterity check. Just a dexterity check. A chip stack check. <laughs> chip stack check. Yeah. Uh, that'll be a 12. It's a little crooked. It's a little Tower of Pisa. It stays up. Uh, <laughs> but it's not going to stay up for very long. Jonathan, you better grab it quick. Jonathan the Magic Musket is like, I, oh, I should still have enough I've left been to go over a lot of, lot of Carlton debt, and uh, he can. That's the thing about barbarians. I don't spend money. I don't have spell components. I don't buy armor. I blow my money on cupcakes and 
Blooms. I think this is why Jonathan every morning casts um, mind My blank blank. on you because for a bunch of different reasons, but also he owes you a little bit of money. <laughs> oh, I think we're up to like what five hundred gold right now. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Between all the spells I've I financed over the months. Or rather, days in game. You're like the Lorenzo de Medici of spells. There you go. So so a fan hopefully is keeping track and maybe can tell us how much debt uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is in. How much barbarian debt he's in. But you notice that of those coins I gave you, one of them is not the one I won off of you from foosball. That is never going back into your possession. That's fine. That's okay. (laughs) I will be buried with that goddamn coin. Why does he only have one coin on his eye? And whoever is like presiding at the funeral, Jonathan the Match Muscular knows. <laughs> Bernie will make sure the right coin goes on your eyeball. There you go. Oh yeah, Bernie has long that. since given all her money to Travancore because she she just kind of like she handed she said, "God will provide. You'll just give me what I need when I need it." And she like hands him her money. She's like, "Keep track." Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So I think, assuming that. Everything goes the way. Yes. Water breathing is a third level spell. It is incredibly easy to find. Um, I will say it is the end of the day. It is uh, because you met at sundown with Thontorvrak and then teleported right, back here. Right. So okay. you've had a full day. And considering it's going to take you six hours, you you would anticipate, especially since there's not a... There's not a rush on this. You're just supposed to go do this next. You might want to get in. The rush was telling Erasic about the sending, not the finding of the magic item. So Carlton goes shopping in the morning. Yeah, Bernie's going to go shopping with Carlton. I guess Bernie should have given all her money to Carlton. Bernie has given a JK. Bernie gave all her money to Carlton to keep track of because he's the only one who. <laughs> all right, as, how much as money do you stack have? Stack of gold like disappears from Travancore's hands in the retcon and appears in Carlton's. You need to give me a number to keep track of. <laughs> in the Kelvin universe, Carlton has the money. If you want me to actually keep track of your gold, I need a number because I can't just magically assume the gold I have is part of yours. Let's see if I wrote it down anywhere. I'll say while you're doing this, while you're looking that, uh, looking into all of that, <laughs> I just got attacked by a French book. Aras <laughs> will uh, say his his farewells. You will, Jonathan will make plans to come back in the morning to get the spell that he needs. They'll make sure it's all set up so you don't have to go search in the silent library for it. And you exit unless there's a reason you want to stay you will exit the amethyst acropolis to find your horses and the elven gentleman waiting for you tending to them outside he will hand off the reins to all of you and head back inside and so you you can have some of this conversation as you leave and you're now outside the amethyst acropolis with your horses was was razzo in the lobby no he was not it's after hours and he has gone home okay he's my go-to for finding what shop i need to go to find stuff We'll figure Maybe it out. Knows. It'll be fine. And I would just like to say that I have no clue how much money I have. Every time Lauren asks me if I have enough money to buy something, I just say yes. <laughs> oh, no. That's, you know, it's it's very in character. Charlatan, right? Uh, Bernie, right. I will say you probably have spent the majority <laughs> of your money buying those diamonds. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the diamonds, the diamonds would have been the only thing. Well, most of the diamonds that you have. Okay. They were you know gifts, what? actually. 
Instead of, they were gifts. Yeah, yeah, most of the the big ones you have, the raised dead ones, are gifts from Ekthiarn. The other ones, anything else that you have, is you know what? And and most of the time, when you all ask me for inconsequential things, especially at your level, in where I know you don't have to really worry about food if you don't want to, because create food and water exists, because I know that you can tiny hut, because I know you've you know like I'm not the kind of DM I don't care. It's only the big stuff. And so, like, especially in the last couple of in-game weeks, the only thing that Bernie has bought has been, like, popcorn. I'm not going to nickel and dime you over popcorn. Let us say, Bernie, you have 20 gold on you. Bernie hands it over to to Carlton. She goes, this is all my money. (laughs) Bernie has zero gold on her. It's in the bank of Carlton. It's in the bank of Carlton. He's written it down, ladies and gentlemen. I am writing it down, people. Distinguished adventure, all adventures. Carlton has <laughs> written it down because Julia never did. How did how did D four put it? Gentle them's and theydies. I don't live my real life this way. I'm such a strict budgeter in real life. <laughs> but you know, we play D anD D to escape from some things, and sometimes the escape is strict budgeting. Anyway, you are all <laughs> outside. Is there anything else you would like to do tonight, or would you like to go get a long rest? And in the morning, go do your various prep for your trip. Travancore, am I also your banker or no? I want to hold on to my money, but thank you. All right, cool. I mean, so Carlton is functioning as Jonathan the Magimuthler's bank in that... He floated him alone. I got a credit card with uh, with the bank of Carlton. When you say that, I put my hand on your shoulder. I'm functioning as your sugar daddy. Yes, I'm. <laughs> oh, don't, and I go, don't make it weird. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. You're my sugar daddy. Don't make it weird. Where would you like to have a long rest? Are you going to go back to... Uh, I'm assuming you're at least going to go back to Gestocks to deliver the horses. Are you going to stay with him or are you going to do the pocket house? And I, I don't need to... We don't need to role play all of this out. It's mostly just for accounting for the pocket house. Probably stay at Gestock. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Gestock is... As always, happy to see you. Um, he directs one of his one of his people to go put the horses away and get them all comfortable. And unless there's anything else you want to do tonight, your rooms are available and you can get a long rest. And in the morning, it sounds like Jonathan's going to go back to the Amethyst Acropolis and spend six hours and get water breathing. Yo. Okay. Without problem, you can do that. If there's anything else you would like to do there, let me know before the uh, before we end this session. What are the rest of you doing during those six hours? During the evening, I'll have everybody sign off on the flag idea. Okay, so we'll 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 work. We'll role play that. We'll say you're all going to meet up for dinner because it's going to take Jonathan six hours. So like. You know, 5 p.m. ish. It's going to be the last day of Alterek. Uh, you will meet up for the flag while Jonathan gets water breathing. What else do you want to do during the day? I gotta, I gotta get my outfit ready. Bernie's gonna go with Carlton to make sure he's a fashionable pirate. Okay. I am gonna be the most fashionable pirate ever. And Travancore, coffee shirt and everything. Are you joining the Pirates of Penzance? Of the pirate piece of the project, he's a good pirate project manager. Travancore will be in charge of the boat piece of it, so we're a leaderless structure. There is no real leader of the the heralds. Of I mean, Jonathan's the first mate. Bernie is my A mate, and Travancore, you're my top mate. Wow, does that mean I'm in the crow's nest? You're all number one. 
Does that mean I'm like the cat, like the cabin boy, all the way top of the the crow's nest, like looking out for things or whatever? Because I mean, I, you I would probably highest. actually be the best at that. So yes, that is your position. <laughs> all right. So here's what I'm gonna say. We're gonna pause here, and we will pick up next time. When we pick up next time, we're gonna have. Uh, Travancore is going to talk to Captain Valeria Ty Turner Langley, who I will say, for the purposes of role playing, is back in the harbor with her ship because that's more fun that way. Bernie and Carlton, over the next week before we play again, I want you to come up. I'm going to say because it is water deep, there is a plethora of places you can go to get a outfit. To your exact specifications. But here's what I want. Don't tell me now. You're going to tell me next week exactly what outfits you have had created and will show up with. I want you to be prepared to describe these outfits at dinner as you show them off to everybody. They need to include an outfit for shadow. So be prepared to come up with a shadow version of this outfit. Jonathan, you're going to be getting water breathing. So you can go ahead and add that to your to your funness right now. And next time we get together, we will find out what does Valeria Tide Turner Langley have to say about the plane of water? What outfits have Carlton and Bernie come up with for them all to wear to the elemental plane of water? And how is Jonathan feeling about tater tots for dinner? But let me give you some experience (laughs) for the episode for chatting with Aras, for uh, giving him all of the information that you have come up with, for... It's not the size, it is the quantity, which is so, (laughs) when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. But when you don't think about it, it is the truest statement on the planet, especially when it comes to crap. For Collapsible Canoe, which I know you've all joked about how it's going to be easy to homebrew, and I will go and do that for you. Spoiler alert, Travancore, that is a thing. You'll have to talk with Valeria to see how much more she will know. It's just going to be foldable boat called collapsible canoe. It's, right? Yes, but you know what? Sometimes the the homebrewer in me needs to go ahead and make the thing, if only so that it shows up on all of your character sheets because I find that funny. I'm going to give you a total of 9,500 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, it will be the end of the month in Waterdeep. And we'll be getting ready to go into actual deep water. I've been waiting on that damn pun. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.